welcome to Relinquish Podcast. My name is Travis. I'm Christina. Hey. Hey. Well, welcome back, everyone. We are glad you're here. It is cold where we are. It is winter. Yes, it's winter. The last time <laughs> we, we chatted, it was fall. By golly. Yeah, so it's been a, a while. But we're back. We're back for part two of our vaccination episode. It's the next episode. It's the next episode. So before we get going, if you are new to Relinquish Podcast, I'd like to tell you who we are. This is your first time listening and you're on part two of, of a two-part series. You should probably go back to part one. But if you don't want to do that. Buckle up. Buckle up. Who are we? We are a husband and wife team who like to talk about controversial issues in a manner that is respectful to both sides of the issue. We do. Yeah. We do our best. We do our best. We kind of have this approach where we will take an issue and we'll pr we will present each kind of long-standing side to that issue. Each, uh, what is it, polarizing view or how would you call it? Sure. Bipolar? Is that the uh, <laughs> bipolar view? I don't think that's the correct Di term. What is the, there's a word I'm looking for. I'm not good. Polar with opposites? Maybe. I'm not good with words. That's listeners. why he's got a podcast. <laughs> that's right. As our <laughs> listeners will know, I fumble, which is why I have my wife as my co-host. But what we'll do is we'll present each side, what that side believes to be true, which is what drives their actions towards that topic. And we also discuss their values. And then Christine and I talk about it as a couple. It's the fun part. That's the fun part. We kind of go through it, trying to be respectful as, as respectful as possible. And we, and we do, in that time, express our opinions. Yes, we do. Yeah. Okay. We do that. So, vaccines. We're on part two. The last episode, we really covered, I feel like we covered a lot of the viewpoint of people who are pro-vaccination. That's kind of what I feel. Okay. I mean, we did talk a little bit about the other side. The pro-choicers. I called them the pro-choicers, yeah. Um, but... I don't feel like we discussed enough. It's incomplete, hence part due. Part due, right. So I kind of want to talk, there's a few things I, I really would like to get into. So buckle up and let's, let's get to it. Ready? Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. On the last episode, we left off with a question you had, which was, well, why can't we sue or hold the vaccine manufacturer accountable to the product? And you were really kind of interested in that. And I said, well, let's, let's discuss that next because it's kind of a long answer. And here we are several months later and I'm still waiting. Yeah, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't tell her. <laughs> She's been hanging on. <laughs> I haven't been losing sleep over it, if anybody's wondering. <laughs> no, no. She's like, oh, we're recording tonight. All right. I got to thinking about this a lot. And I am, I'm of a person who values... Freedom in a way where I think a manufacturer or a company should have certain freedoms that the government should not impose on. Mm -hmm. And so for someone who, like me personally, I have personal issues with the pharmaceutical industry. And so as much as I would love to, I don't know, down on them. I can understand this 
sense of immunity towards them and their product. Say more about that. I will that. say more about that. I don't agree with it, but as far as like a person who values, I don't know, freedoms. So it got me thinking. It got me thinking, okay, well, should we hold them accountable? Well, hold on. Hold, okay. hold, hold, hold on there. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tell me what you're thinking. Because what I thought I was hearing you say when you say freedom, it, I'm kind of equating that when I hear you with limited government intervention. Right. But mm. it kind of sounds like if you can't hold them accountable and the government is intervening to protect them. So it is government intervention. Am I wrong? No, you're, you're absolutely right. I don't like the current system. So I'll, I'll state that. I don't like what's currently in place. I don't think it's a good system. Okay. Okay. Because it is government intervention. It is government intervention. Okay. Right. So the citizens do not have a, a means of addressing their grievances towards these manufacturers with okay. the manufacturer themselves. And we'll, I'll, I'm going to give the history of that. I don't agree with it. I think we so, should. But you were like, well, wait a minute. Can we hold other companies accountable for their products? And I said, well, I'm not an attorney. I don't know. But then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, well, actually, we can. I said we could, but I, I, I was like, why can't? If we can the... sue McDonald's for having hot coffee that wasn't labeled as hot, like, <laughs> <laughs> but we can't sue like a manufacturer of a vaccine, like, I don't know. Right, 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 right. Okay, so it got me thinking. My, my little brain goes to, it's my understanding that when a company produces a product they have to, there, there's regulations, I guess, or some kind of rules in place that require them to pass some kind of safety standard before it comes onto market, mm -hmm. right? That would make sense. I have, I don't know. Again, anything. if there's any attorneys out there listening, <laughs> please feel free to email me, email us directly at relinquishpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to, I'd love to talk with you about it. My understanding is that Companies are required to pass certain safety standards if they're going to put a product on the market, depending on what that product is. I think it highly depends on what that product is, because there are some children's toys made in certain countries who come here that have like lead paint or, you know, like. You well, I don't think those are part of the, the safety screening, but they still have to be deemed safe. And some. I don't know. I don't know. Toys. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But if you're making a ladder. Or. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I just think from my little brain's thinking there's got to be something well, they have to pass. Quality control. Quality control. Maybe. Okay. And there are the um, ISO standards. I don't know if that has anything to do with safety, but it's international standards that are set in place for certain sure. companies. Sure. Uh, yeah. Either way. <laughs> so basically, folks, we know nothing. We know nothing. <laughs> Okay, so I'm thinking, okay, well, okay. <laughs> what we do know is, this don't sound right. <laughs> this don't sound right. So again, my little brain goes, well, I do know that these companies are required to prove that their products are safe and effective. Because of the FDA? Or? Because of the FDA, okay. yes. Because of our government. Because they fall under the FDA. Yeah, there's a whole, 
and I think I mentioned this last time, but there's a whole process for drug approval in this country that obviously the pharmaceutical companies always have a way around, but there is a standard in place that they have to go through to deem something safe and effective. And I'll put links to that in the show notes, direct links from the FDA. Well, and I do know that I've heard of that because there are certain drugs that people will like prescription drugs that Mm -hmm. people will get in other countries because they're not approved here. So I have heard of that. Sure. And when we spoke last time, you were saying, well, when someone comes into the doctor's office and gets, gets a vaccine, they're kind of giving a consent to take this drug with the expectation that's going to have side effects. So why should they be able to sue if one of those side effects happens? Do you remember? I said that. You though. said that though. I'm smart. <laughs> you're smart. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Whoa. So it's my, I mean, it's like when you get coffee from McDonald's and it's hot and it burns you like you shouldn't be able you to You should sue, not be able to sue for that. But I guess or you can. You shouldn't sue Gorilla Glue if you're putting it on your, on you. So, um, that was a real, you didn't hear about that, did you? I did you hear did, about okay. that. So the vaccine manufacturers are supposed to provide enough evidence that says this product is safe enough to be on the market to cause minimal damage if it's on the, if it's on the market. Sure. So the problem becomes if it's actually causing more damage to people than what they said it would happen then I feel like we have the right to bring them to, you know, to hold them accountable to that. Well, don't they say in the insert, or I'm not really sure where it's said, but pretty much every drug that's advertised, they have fine print where they basically say taking this could kill you. Right. You they know, say all these side effects and then they say, or death. <laughs> so it seems like they've got all their bases covered as far as what could happen to you. Right. Um, do vaccines do that? Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. That's part of the law that came out of, I think, 1986. Okay, so let me give you the history of it real quick. It's not that quick, but well, let me give you, I'll give everybody out there a, a little snippet of the history about it. And I'll, I'll link where I got this information in the show notes. Way back when, back in the day, a long time ago, people used to be able to sue the manufacturers uh, for harm that was caused by a vaccine. And... Um, because it wasn't made properly or whatever. And they could also sue the physician that administered the vaccine um, when it was contraindicating something else the person was had. So like if a physician gave you a vaccine, but knew you were also taking this other drug and it was contraindicated for this particular vaccine, which a lot of drugs are, hmm. if that physician still gave you that vaccine and you were hurt by it, people would sue that physician. Because he was semi-liable. He should have known. Okay. Makes sense? Sure. But people harmed by vaccines that were properly made, ones that weren't tainted when they came out of the manufacturing process, um, they had little recourse for compensation before the 1950s. So you had, let me give an example. In 1955, several people developed perial paralytic polio from the Salk polio vaccine and a few people died from it as well. So several lawsuits were filed against the manufacturers because of the batches 
that these vaccines came from, it became known um, as the Cutter incident because it came from Cutter Laboratories. So the batches were tainted somehow? Yeah, the batches were bad, apparently. Um, we, we, we talked a little bit about also bad batches of polio vaccines in the last episode with the, uh, that virus that was mm-hmm. in it. So most of these court cases were settled out of court with compensation to the people who were harmed. And at the time, there was no standards. No standards existed for determining when and how a vaccine would cause an adverse event. I can imagine it's a very complicated thing to determine. There's so many variables. So many. We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, So then the 70s and 80s, um, several lawsuits were brought against vaccine manufacturers. Um, uh, One in particular, um, and this really started a revolution, was the diphtheria pertussis tetanus vaccine or the DPT vaccine. In the 80s, there was a documentary that aired on television about the harm caused by this DPT vaccine, and it caused a huge increase in lawsuits because people were identifying with the adverse events that they saw in this documentary happening in their, either their children or themselves going, oh, that must be what I got because they were having same issues after the same vaccine. So this prompted the manufacturers to go directly to Congress for a solution because they were losing a lot of money. And they said they threatened to stop making vaccines as it wouldn't be profitable for them if they had to keep paying for all these settlements for alleged, we'll do air quotes, alleged harm that their products were causing. So they didn't want to take accountability or responsibility for it, which to their credit, there needed to be lots of court cases to prove that their product was causing harm. Sure. So I'm not, I wasn't there, so I don't know. So Congress decided to set up a system to allow them immunity, pun intended, from product liability. Okay. So does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Also, as a result of this, this DPT outrage and the harm that that this particular shot caused... The National Vaccine Information Center was born. It's a company, nonprofit company. Um, they were formed in 1982. It was formed by parents of the children that were harmed by this particular vaccine. And they're still in existence in today. They're one of the largest um, pro-choice organizations out there. I say pro-choice, I mean pro-vaccination choice. Nothing, right. nothing to do with abortion. Okay. So they wanted to provide the public with information regarding vaccines so the people, the public, could make informed decisions regarding those vaccines. They also petitioned Congress in the 80s, in the mid-80s, to help make vaccinations safer. The result from these parents and the manufacturers coming to Congress was the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act became effective. That's a mouthful. It is or the NCVIA, vaccine, vaccine information statements became a thing, and Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, or VAERS, became a thing. That became a national database for reporting adverse events from vaccines. That nobody knows about. <laughs> well, they do now because of COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's a big deal now. 
It also established, as a result, the, the, the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, which was established by the Department of Human and Health Services, Health and Human Services, sorry. Um, this is funded by a tax on each of the vaccines. And this what is, is that? This is what brings about the vaccine court. So if you have, if you are hurt or harmed by one of these products and you, you know, want to get compensation or whatever, you have to take it to this particular court through this program. And that is, that's not even something I'm going to go into. That is something really complicated. I, I talk a little bit about it in my paper that is in the show notes already. So it sounds like based on what you've said that, I don't know, it seems like a logical system. It does seem like a logical system, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Okay. So you got these manufacturers they are like, Hey, we don't have enough resources, time and energy to determine whether or not these things are actually causing harm or not help us because we're just going to not make enough money and we're just not going to do this anymore. It's not profitable for us. Congress is like, sure, let's do this instead. We'll have the taxpayers pay for it by a tax on your product. Mm -hmm. And that way, Okay, so it sounds. Yeah, how's that working out? My issue with it is that these things cause like. There's so much that can go wrong as a result. I think that's with any pharmaceutical. Yes. But with vaccines in particular, from my understanding, I am not an expert or a doctor or anything, but I do know a lot about physiology and how our bodies work. And it seems like when you're injecting a foreign agent into your system, it could likely set off something called the cell danger response. And I guess it's not necessarily a bad thing because the idea is that the cell danger response would resolve itself kind of like when you have this immune response mm -hmm. and then in the end, it's a good thing according to the theory of how they work. Um, but I think that in our modern culture, a lot of people, there's a potential for a lot of people to have that cell danger response not resolve because of different things. And I don't know. I just, there, there's so many questions that I have about all of that. And again, I'm no scientist, but. Sure. There are a lot of questions that come about with this. And there's a lot, in my opinion, a lot of non-biased uh, research and studies need to be done to help us better understand the effects that injecting these foreign agents have into our body. Research is expensive. It's very expensive. And time-consuming. But it needs to be done for us to be able to know. So, I mean, really the question is, should we be able to sue them? I think so. I do. I think... I've, I've really wrestled with this question for a long, long time. I believe that the power of the dollar goes a long way in moving a company to do anything. That's true. And so if a company's doing something that is not okay and they have a monopoly set up in place, Nothing is going to change the way they do it 
unless you take your business elsewhere. So with vaccines, if vaccines weren't pushed on our population from the age, from the minute a child is born, I mean, and for the rest of our lives, we're being pushed with taking shots. Some of them are mandatory to go to public school unless you file some kind of an exemption. Depending on what state you're in, that exemption may not be approved. My point is, these companies are enjoying a guaranteed market share because it's being forced upon the population. If these products weren't forced upon the population to the degree that they are, I would feel a little better, a little bit better about the current, you know, legality in place. Like if everyone could just make the choice for themselves. Right. Which is theoretically what we're supposed to be doing, right? Correct. And let's, that's, a, that's a good segue into what I want to talk about with what came out of, the, one of the good things that came out about in the 1980s with Congress doing this and kind of getting aware and desiring to make vaccines safer. So they're like, let's put up a system where people can go ahead and document these adverse events and so forth. Um, oh yeah. One of the things that they required is that the physician who is administering the vaccine has to present each person with something called the vaccine information statement. Okay. Started out as like, I don't know, four or five pages long. And a lot of people just did not want to read it because it was just too long and too full of jargon. And so they condensed it down. It's actually written by the CDC on behalf of the vaccine manufacturers. How kind. <laughs> yeah. That's so kind of them. It's now two pages long. It's very short. And the person is supposed to be able to read it while they're there at the visit so they can make an informed decision about that particular medical intervention. In your 15-minute time slot right. with an MD? So they're supposed to be able to look at all the benefits and all the risk involved. That's what making an informed consent means, right? I would love to know if any of our listeners have ever done that. I remember... They give them to you in like a, usually like a folder and say, hey, just read this on your own time. I've and, never had that really? for myself. I've gotten, I mean, 10 years ago, I did a lot of international travel and I had to get all kinds of vaccines. I never got anything ever. I did. Whenever I did the... um hepatitis shots before I went to Haiti. They gave me a folder and said, hey, go ahead, read through this whenever you get a chance. And when it was did this start happening? Back in the late 80s. I've never 1988, I think. And when we got our daughter vaccinated when she was little, I, I do remember them giving me, the pediatrician gave me like a little one page. Yeah. After she right. got the vaccines, yeah. they gave it to us and said, oh, if she has any reactions, read this and call us sure but after i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna pull a couple of these up we're gonna look at them side by side we're gonna look at a vaccine information statement real quick okay and then we're gonna look at just for funsies just for funsies then we're, we're gonna look at the exact same product but from the manufacturer itself it's the called, one with all the jargon right it's called the vaccine insert which are usually anywhere between 20 and 30 pages long that, oh, okay. that detail all the adverse events that happen. <clears throat> These things are long and we'll see if we're getting all the information we need. 
<laughs> okay, well, I can already tell you if it's two pages versus 20, we're not getting all the information we need. Sure. And I, I can get behind condensing that information down to two sure. pages as long as it's accurate, as long as it's actually communicating both the benefit and the risk. When I read it, and again, look, I'm not, I'm not trying to take a side here. I'm just, if I was just a normal Joe Schmo, which I am, I'm just, a, I'm just a dude. You're just I'm a not, dude who likes to do critical thinking. That's right. I'm, hey, I'm not a scientist. I'm not a professor. I don't have a bunch of, you know, letters after my name or before my name. Mm. No, hey, mm. doctor. No, not me. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, awesome. So, <clears throat> But if just me, little old me can figure this out, so can anyone else out there. Little old me? Little old me. I am old. No, I'm not that old. No, you're not old. No, I'm young. You're so young. I'm so young. (laughs) 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 All right. So you're going to hear some clicking. That's all right. Just, you know, uh, act like you (laughs) don't hear it. I, I, I don't know these things by heart. There it is. All right. Let's just do the MMR vaccines that's so popular mmr yeah measles mumps and rubella that vaccine is so popular <clears throat> it's a combo shot and look in this vaccine insert it's only eight pages so it's not you picked not... a good one dang okay so wait you're reading the one from the manufacturer or this is the little this is gonna be just notes. a little cliff notes okay cliff notes <clears throat> I'm going to read the VIS first. Okay, so I'm not even gonna, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to they tell you, "Hey, why get vaccinated?" and they give you a bunch of reasons as to why you should get vaccinated. Sure. Then it tells you a little bit about the the shot itself, you know, how many doses you're going to need, when you should get it. Then it tells you um you should probably not take this vaccine if and then it gives you some reasons as to why you you shouldn't take it. And it lists out, if, do you have a weakened immune system? Do you have an allergy to some of the ingredients in this vaccine? Those These are, are good the, reasons. Which is all great. Yeah. All great. But they're really general mm-hmm. compared to the insert. Then we're going to get to the risk. So the, the first page, the whole page, the first half of the first page or the three quarters of the first page is all, this is why you should get this awesome thing and why it's good for you. Kind of like why it's worth the risk. Why it's worth the risk. But don't do it. You might want to think twice if you, you know, have some issues. These contraindications yeah. are contraindications, present. talk to your healthcare provider who's listening to you for 15 minutes. And then it gives you the risk. So I'm just going to read some of these risks. Okay. Okay. Risk number one. Sore arm from the injection or redness where the shot is given. A fever, a mild rash can happen after getting this vaccine. Okay. That's it? That's it. Okay, so that's the next one. That's not all of them. The next one is swelling of the glands in the cheek or neck or some temporary pain or stiffness in the joints. Sometimes, yeah, this can occur sometimes. More serious reactions happen rarely. These can include seizures, which is often associated with the fever. So don't, don't worry about it. That's kind of what they're saying <laughs> right there. And then uh, temporary low platelet count that can cause unusual ble- bleeding or bruising. Bruising. You're going to start playing the blues. <laughs> bluesing. <laughs> it's going to cause you to start Steve Ray Vaughn in it. Um, 
people with serious immune systems or problems. Serious immune systems? Yes, I, think my, I think my immune system is too it's serious. too serious. We've got to play the blues. So, it, okay, I read that wrong. And people with serious immune system problems. Do you need me to read these? I'm having a hard time. This vaccine may cause an infection that may be life-threatening. People with serious immune system problems should not get this vaccine. Okay. And then, okay, so that's all of them. But at the very end, they give this little blurb here. Sometimes people faint after medical procedures, including vaccinations. Tell your provider if you feel dizzy or have vision changes or ringing in the ears. And as with any medication, there is a very remote chance of a vaccine causing a severe allergic reaction, other serious injury, or death. So they pretty much cover everything. It seems like it. Yeah. Pretty general. I mean, if you have to sum up 20 pages of something, that's a good way to... Sure. Like, kind of sounds like they went from the most common down to, like, the least common. I'm pretty sure death would be the least common. And my, a sore arm would be the most common. Right. My, my question is, are they giving the same sort of uh, great generalizations towards the benefits? I don't know. So... On the, in, on the insert, I don't have time to go through all of the adverse events and reactions listed, but I just want to highlight a few. Okay. This vaccine has been around for a long time, and as a result, there's lots of data as to all of these different adverse events happening, and it tells you that in this insert, it says these things have been identified both in the trial studies, which, which go on for a period of many years, as well as outside of these trial studies that they could continue to track. And are these connected to any of the contraindications? I no, guess this is how they no. learned of the contraindications. Well, this is one way that they learn, but several of these are not caused by a contraindication. Okay. All right. But you are right. This is one of the ways that they figure out. They actually have these things separated into categories of your body. They have body as a whole, which one of these is you can get measles from this vaccine. Well, of course. Right. <laughs> it's got measles in it. <laughs> right. Um, then they, you know, you can, it affects, it can affect your cardiovascular system, your digestive system. Like it can cause pancreatitis. I don't even know how to read some of these, but there's so many, the immune system it's got, it can cause anaphylaxis. It can cause uh arthritis well that uh, explains the joint thing right on the so the nervous system is what notes. really got me when i was reading this for the first time there's all these different things that i can't even read like okay what the fir very first one listed is encephalitis do you know what that is A swollen brain yeah swollen brain that's not good no and it's actually a common thing with some of these, like it's not as rare as they say, even the studies show that they're not that rare, but it's like it happens, which is what can cause the, those seizures. Mm. It may not be like a very, uh, it, it's not, I'm not saying that it's like, a, like a detrimental thing, but it causes temporary brain swelling. That sounds gross. Yeah. But it can cause a lot of like long lasting harm. Anyway, encephalitis has been linked to things like autism. So, 
encephalopathy. How am I saying that? Encephalop. I can't see it. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. Measles inclusion body encephalitis. I don't know what that is. Anyway, Guillain-Barre syndrome, Mm. uh, transverse myelitis, Mm. febrile convulsions, afebrile convulsions, seizures, pneumonia, Steven Johnson's, wait, Stevens Johnson syndrome. So basically they're reporting every negative thing that's ever happened to anybody who's taken it. Right. So including playing the blues and (laughs) having a a serious immune system session. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. If I was to read both of those, I could make an informed choice. Well, it sounds like they used to give those to people to read and nobody read them. Right. That's, I mean, right. So I can see why they would just condense it. Absolutely. I, I, again, I can get down with the condensed version. My issue is, are people really making an informed decision? Are they given the information, the proper information? Personally, I feel like the information you're given is very skewed towards getting the, the medication. Because of the perceived benefit over the the risk. Right. Well, it's interesting because that brings up a a discussion about, well, just because if we went through the trouble as a, I don't know, society, medical system, whoever, to make sure that patients were informed and that there was informed, truly informed consent, but yet 95% of the people are just going to take the paper and never look at it and throw it in the trash on their way out the door, then does that relieve us, relieve us of our obligation to have informed consent? If only mm-hmm. 5% of people care about informed consent in that way, is it worth doing it? It's always worth doing it. Well, I'm not saying it's not. Right. I'm just saying maybe from their perspective, sure. it's like, why go through all this trouble Right. If nobody even cares. I feel like they're just checking a box. Like we, we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to make this vaccine insert. We know it's got all these benefits with little risk. Let's just get it out there. Right. No one's going to read it anyway. Right. It's just I mean, of, let's be real. How many legal waivers and release forms have you signed without reading it? Oh, tons. Right. I mean. I mean, I look at them a lot more now that I'm older. You're so old. And some of them it's like, well, I'm kind of like, I feel like I've have to sign this because I, I, I want this. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a whole nother I'm just discussion. Saying behavior science, you know, mm-hmm. I'm with you. People don't read. The, and they those, don't care. They don't, they don't think care. it's, I mean, people who know cigarettes will kill them, smoke cigarettes, nurses and doctors have smoke breaks. Like mm-hmm. well, they're making an informed choice. They know. Well, they really do sure, know the risk. Sure. But they, I'm just saying, even if there was, Everything that's not terrible that's in this 20 page insert was like plastered to the door of the doctor's office. Everybody would still be lining up to get their vaccines because of the, you know, th- their experience of like, well, everybody I know got them and everybody I know is just fine. Exactly. Hmm. Then why the push? Why the push to push these products so hard when people are going to do it anyway? Now that is an excellent question. That we're gonna, Let's discuss that in a minute. When we get to that part, because that relates to the COVID vaccine, which is being pushed real hard. I've noticed that. You and I were kind of talking 
before the this this episode about we were, I was kind of was telling you what I wanted to cover, and I was like, let's talk about the the ingredients some more. And you're like, I kind of feel like we did that. We did. We talked enough about them, so okay. I don't think we should go into them. I agree. I will. Again, I'm going to include so much stuff in the <laughs> in the show notes. Yeah. Forget a 20 page insert. Travis is going to have you guys <laughs> reading 100 pages of just the highlights. Just a 100 page insert on my website www.relinquishpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> did we talk about your thesis on the last we did. episode? So I just have to say that I have for years now seen him reading book after book after book, pro-vaccine book, pro-vaccine choice book, mm-hmm. pro-vaccine book, pro-vaccine choice book. I have read so many. Oh man. It's like, how could you, I, mean, I get it. I read that much about other things, yeah. but man okay so 100 pages really y'all it is very just the highlights compared to what he's read anything in the medical industry is so complicated i'm i'm currently working on our pharmaceutical episode and i'm just overwhelmed i'm like i, I don't even know what to do cuz it's just it's too complicated for me i i'm not that smart so i'm just I, when i'm reading these things i'm like okay wait wait what hopefully y'all can understand it much better than me. Let's just talk about mandates. Man. Mandates. Like dates with a man. Dates with a man. <laughs> <laughs> Men going on dates. This was the subject of my capstone paper in college. It's titled Should Government Should Governments Mandate Vaccinations? And spoiler alert. I conclude in my paper that they shouldn't. I don't think, I think it's a human rights violation for a government to mandate medical interventions that ha- because all medical interventions have risk associated with them. And as we just read, each one of these vaccines, we just highlighted one of them, which is a very popular one. All of them have warning labels on them that say do not get this if you have this or if you are experiencing this or if you're taking this particular medication i mean the list goes on and on and on which is awesome thank you for doing that vaccine manufacturers thank you for listing these things out i really appreciate that but and then they also give us here's the things that can happen these things do happen now they're rare at least you know, one side believes they're rare the other, and the other side believes they're not as rare as we were being told. But not every, my point is not everyone should get them. Well, and not every reaction is reported because I'm less concerned for myself with an immediate reaction as I am with something that would show up 20 years later because I introduced this foreign agent into my body which set off this chain reaction of things, led to inflammation, led to cell danger response, led to blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then 20 years later, I have cancer, which if it could be traced back, which of course it can't, but if it could be, it came from that. Right. So it's just such an unknown that you're really, it's, you know, you're, yeah. We're taking a risk. We're taking risks. And so it all comes down to, is the benefit greater than the risk? 
Is it worth it? I think most people would say yes. Sure, sure. Okay, so I don't want to talk about whether or not somebody should get the vaccine. I'm talking about whether should should the government mandate it. Oh. Like, look, if you want to get a vaccine, awesome. Go for it. If If you feel good about it, do it. Like... We've talked, we talked about the benefits in the last episode that, and the theories behind it and the things that people that we believe that they do right now. Well, what types of things is the government allowed to mandate? I don't, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. I'm not a constitutional lawyer. I don't know. I mean, I guess they're mandating that we obey the law. And if we don't obey the law, there's a consequence. Sure. I'm not, I'm, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Like, what do they mandate besides the law? Right. Which I guess the laws are the mandates. So maybe exactly. it would be the law that you have to get the vaccine. And so therefore. Well, that's what a mandate would be. Yes. A yeah. law. So. Hmm. Okay. So let's, let's dissect it a little bit more. What would be the point of a government mandate for a vaccine or any medical intervention. Well, it's interesting because like now my brain is thinking, so education is mandated. There's a certain level of education that Mm -hmm. we're required to have in this country. Right. Um, If we're going to be a citizen of this country, we have to fulfill certain roles, right? We have yeah. To fulfill. Like the government has certain things that they do for us, mm. theoretically, right. at least. And then we have duties as a citizen mm. and being educated is, I guess, one of those duties. Um, Darn. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to pass. So the duty that we would be fulfilling. Said duty. I said duty. <laughs> Sorry. It's a a homonym or a homophone, I guess. Yeah. Sounds the same, but it's spelled different. Duty. Duty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, we digress with duty. Duty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <sighs> Thank you, homonym. So you got a duty. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta got to get duty. past this. <laughs> you got a duty. I got a duty. We're stuck in a, in a duty whirlpool. Okay. So what would the duty of a citizen be, what would we be fulfilling by protecting ourselves against certain diseases? Mm -hmm. Are you asking me or is it a hypothetical? No, I'm asking you like, you know, some people would consider it your duty Mm -hmm. to get vaccinated. Right. Because you're not going to be, harboring you know you're not going to be a carrier theoretically of they believe you're not going to be a carrier of that illness right of that pathogen and so you're not going to be spreading it to people who could die from it maybe right exactly the purpose behind these mandates is to protect the population is to uphold a certain health standard standards may not be the right word but to protect the health of the population so it's kind of like why employees have to wash their hands after they use the restroom before they go back to work because it's because of the health implications and why restaurants have standards for cleanliness and you know whatever standards they have I don't know I've never worked at a restaurant but you know you can't have 
gross stuff in your food. You want it to be clean. Is it a law to wash your hands, though, as an employee? Like, is it a mandate? I think it's a mandate. I don't know. Any attorneys out there, again, this man, That's I hope you're easy. listening. That's an easy search on the intertubular webs. But I, I got too much going on. <laughs> um, now, that is a great point. I mean, it's why we can't talk on our cell phones while we're driving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have, we have all kinds of safety laws out there. So why is this such a big problem? Yeah. Like, like, why is this such an issue? Exactly. Well, I have thoughts. I have thoughts as well. <laughs> you tell me yours, I'll tell you mine. So for a lot of the mandates out there that we have for things like washing hands, not texting or drinking while driving, the person who is having to do something for the benefit of someone else is not putting themselves at risk. Ding, 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 ding. Right? I would agree with that. The maybe laws, an, Maybe an inconvenience sometimes. Inconvenience is one thing. Not risk, yeah, certainly. Inconveniences are something we all have to live with if we're going to live in a, in a society together. Right? Yeah. All right. The problem I have with mandates of any kind involving medical interventions is because of the inherent risk in that goes along with it. And since with a lot of these, if you're not already contraindicated or, you know, if you don't already have a pre-existing condition that warrants you not to get the procedure and you're being forced to get it anyway, we'll talk about that in a second, but you're just some regular person who doesn't seem to have any problems and you get some kind of medical treatment and that treatment causes harm but and it was forced on you with this thought of protecting other people i have a problem with that yeah for a couple of reasons one i'd like to know what the real science and the real data is to back up forcing vaccines upon a population is actually beneficial for that population where it doesn't cause more harm than good. So is there, I was, I'm thinking back to when we did the episode on guns and I had asked you, and I'm going to ask you the same question. If there was, were any other countries who had done, you know, the opposite is our country and how is that going for them? So are there countries who, I don't know, have very low levels of vaccination? And if so, like, how is that going for them? Or it's not necessarily the levels of vaccination that are the issue. It's the whether it's mandated or not. I used to know a lot more about that, but I don't remember. Is it in your paper? No, that's not my paper. Just wondering. My paper focused on the United States. Um, I, it, there might be something in my paper. You've, I can't believe you never read my paper. Um, I'm a little mad about that. I know this may come as a shock <laughs> to everyone, but I'm not as interested. That's in true. As Travis and all of these things. All right. So here's, here's what I want to talk. Here's what I want to really get to thinking about. For the last year, our government, the federal government, was putting really strict mandates for the COVID vaccination. That's what the I country. heard. Yeah. 
and like really, really strong and just saying, Hey, just get it. You got to get it. You got to get it. You got to get it. Okay. So put that aside. My little brain's thinking, okay, what is the purpose of, of doing that? Okay. So my critical brain says when it's looking at the opposite viewpoint of how I feel, which is the, the opposite viewpoint of it is the pro vaccine side. They're saying this is beneficial. This particular vaccine is going to help reduce the mortality rate of this disease. It's going to help reduce the severity of this disease. It's going to protect people from spreading this disease. So those are the three main things that our federal government and the CDC, well, CDC is part of that, we're saying for the last year. This is, the, this, this is their reasoning behind a mandate. This has been the reasoning for vaccine mandates for the last 250 years. Which is so interesting because alcohol and cigarettes kill way more people than measles and flu and COVID put together, I'm imagining. And yeah, well, on COVID, the numbers, we don't really know the real numbers. If we were well, looking at the numbers from the CDC stats, COVID is way higher than the measles or the, or alcohol. Right. But all of, really? I alcohol mean, and cigarettes? Yeah. Measles is like, not Lung measles. cancer is like the number one or number two cancer. But it's not killing more than half a million people a year. I don't know. I think we should. In the U.S.? Look that up. Drugs, I guess most of them are illegal. No, it's not. Like the number one, I mean, obviously, yeah. But still, like there's something that's legal. I mean, how many people is fast food killing a year? No, you you bring up great arguments. But yeah, we're not mandating like, yeah, like you have your choice. If you want to eat fast food and smoke a cigarette and drink a 40 while you're doing it all at the same time, like in this country, (laughs) you have the right to do that. (laughs) Well, to be fair... For the one side, they're going to say those are all self-inflicted harm. You're not, you're not causing harm to others, except for the drinking and driving. I was about to say. Drinking and driving causes a lot of harm. but Indirectly, you're causing harm to people because th- your health issues is the burden of our healthcare system and the, the financial burden also. It's being shared by everyone. Mm, exactly. Great point. I mean, I agree with you on that. I'm with you. Booyah. I'm just saying these are the arguments that are out there. Pro and against. Sure. It's not in the same way as if you were mm-hmm. out there spreading measles to everyone. So the, the very first vaccine mandates that we see in history occurred from um, the smallpox vaccine, which was the first vaccination ever created, at least in our mainstream modern society history that we know from Ed, uh, Edward Jenner. Eddie. Jenna. Not Eddie Vedder, but Eddie Jenner. Eddie Jenna. <laughs> And whenever the UK government or England's government were forcing these mandates upon the population for the smallpox vaccine, it caused all kinds of death and increases in the rates of smallpox. And so the population would protest and go nuts. This was the start of the anti-vaccine movement. Way back Can in we the, talk about that? Way back in the late 1700s, what? Because it's just nomenclature. 
but that's a thing in our country. People get offended all the time because terms aren't being used correctly. To me, when I hear the word anti-vaccination, that means somebody who is not for vaccinations at all. They're against vaccinations. They don't think vaccinations should ever be used. Like, I don't know. It just seems like kind of like somebody who's you would say is anti-abortion. They think it should never be allowed ever. Yeah, anti, anti is a pretty strong word. So I hear that word being thrown around for people like us who are pro-choice when it comes to vaccines. Like we want informed consent for people. Like people need to make their own choice. Yeah, we are not anti-vax. So I just have to say that because okay. that's It is a pejorative a and I don't like the term either. Even if it did describe somebody who's totally against vaccinations for themselves or their kids or whatever. I, I can get behind that just like I can get behind somebody being totally for it. Um, but I don't like the term. That's really pejorative. Yeah. Anyway, that's an aside. Okay. Hist history has shown us that mandates don't actually help. It's is what I'm trying to get at. I talk about it a little bit in my paper. I kind of do go through some history on that. So my problem with the current, you know, kind of climate around this is if your purpose is to reduce the, the mortality rate of this pathogen, reduce the incident rate, and re like it reduce the spread. Um, I still don't think that's warranted enough to force people to get something that could kill them. or Especially cause long term, like with COVID, it seems like you know, there's the vaccine, there's the booster, and really it's going to be like, it seems like the flu shot where there's, you're just going to have to get a new one all the time. But it also seems like what I've learned through this pandemic is that when a new virus emerges, it gets less virulent over time. And mm -hmm. from what I've heard from virologists talking about it is that that's just a normal path that a virus takes. Often. Yes. And so it gets less and less virulent over time. So there should be less and less concern. There is less and less concerned, especially when you live in a first world country where we have access to other medical interventions to help prevent you from dying from something like the flu or a cold. Or measles. Or measles. Like well, the mortality I, rate for the measles, even with or without a vaccine, the, like even without a vaccine is so small. Like it is so minuscule, even for an infant. It's so, so small. Well, and I just have to say my beef with, like you were saying, they're pressing this COVID vaccine so much. And, you know, they have reasons. I'm not saying there's no reasons there. But what my beef is, is that I feel like they should also be educating people on how to bolster your immune system and how to, you know, you can't just rely 100, even if you're going to get a vaccine, if that's your choice, you should also have other tools to be able to bolster up your immune system and make sure that your system is in tip top shape. And so that if you did get a virus, like you don't want to just rely on the vaccine, you want to have all around like balance in mm -hmm. how your body's going to handle that. And how you're going to recover, not just from the virus itself, but from the vaccine. Like if you're bolstering your immune system before you get the vaccine, during and after, 
I would guess you're going to have better results than someone who didn't. Right. So I wish they were talking more about that. I do. I wish, look, again, if our federal government, who's, you know, believes that what they're doing is for the good, like I'm not going down some rabbit hole there. But again, I'm just me and I'm looking at this. And we talked last episode about how vaccines work and how viruses work and how even if you're vaccinated against a, a specific pathogen, you can still carry it with you and spread it for a specific amount of time. Sure. And that can happen multiple times throughout your life. Whether, whether you have immunity to it or not, the virus still enters your body before it's killed off by your immune system. You have it. You may not be infected or you don't, or symptomatic. Well, all these terms they use, <laughs> like these little <laughs> terminologies, you may not get the disease. You may you, not be playing the blues. That's right. But, you, <laughs> but you, you're infected. You can spread it whether you're vaccinated or not. That is just how they work. That's just like that. There's that's the science behind it. So I don't understand when I go to the store and it says, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. You can still spread it. And what we're seeing now, what was talked about for many months, is that these vaccines, the COVID vaccine I'm talking about, is not as effective as what Pfizer was telling us that it was. Yeah. What are the numbers that the CDC is showing now as far as effectiveness? Oh, man, it's like less than 30 percent, I think. For the, just for the first two. And then that's why they're, you know, saying get these boosters all the time. So wait, the vaccine that they said was 90 something 95 percent, 95 percent effective. Now they're saying it's less than 30 percent. Something like that. It's very bad. And these are all coming. The the 95 percent came from the CDC and the less than 30 percent came from Pfizer. And again, this is an experimental vaccine that got sure. rushed for approval. So is Pfizer also saying that it's less than 30 now? I don't know. But That's here's interesting. here's what they said in the beginning. And there's a really good I'll, I'll, I'll put a link in it, link to it in the show notes, a really good video by an organization called the COVID, the Canadian COVID Care Alliance. Ooh. Canadian COVID Care Alliance. I like the alliteration. Yeah. They're made up of like over 500 doctors and scientists and stuff that. And stuff. And stuff that um, put together all this information. They have a video. It's like 30 minutes long and they delve into the various safety studies for Pfizer, for the Pfizer vaccine. Okay. The very first Pfizer study, the clinical trial that our government based the, their initial kind of not approval, but executive act to say, yes, we should start forcing this on people and people should get them. Pfizer said that it was 95% effective after the second dose. Okay. So here's how they got that number. I'm about to blow your mind. I'm preparing for my mind to be blown. Okay. I'm not even going to get into the, just the how poorly done the study was, but we're going to go basic here. You had two groups. You had the, the group of people that got the inoculation. The control and, the, and then you got the placebo, yeah. placebo group. 
So you've got a little more than 18,000 people in each. The group that got the vaccine after a period of like two months, eight of those people got COVID. Out of 18,000? Mm-hmm. Do you know what that equates to percentage-wise? Tell me. 0.04%. Okay. So less than a percent. Wow, less that's than 1%. pretty good. That's pretty good results. Pretty good result. The placebo group, 162 people got COVID. Okay. Do you know what that equates to in percentage-wise? Tell me. Less than 1%. <laughs> okay. It's 0.88%. So 0.88 compared to 0.04. So that's a difference. Oh, yeah. But here's what it means, though. The people who got the vaccine Mm -hmm. were 99% less likely to get COVID. Or 99% of them didn't get COVID, I should say. Okay, 99% of them didn't. They didn't. And then out of the placebo group. 99% of them didn't get COVID. 99% of them did not get COVID. Both groups were just as likely to not get COVID. Well, the vaccinated group was 99. We're talking about 99% not going to get COVID, though. Sure, sure. I know, but. So the way they got the There was a difference. It was 99.1 and (laughs) (laughs) 99.9. Okay, so the way Pfizer got their 95% efficacy rate is they took the two percentages of 0.88% and 0.04 and put the difference of those is 95%, which I think is very misleading in my opinion. That is misleading. Because if you, if you look at, if I looked at a study and I didn't see what Pfizer determined to be their efficacy rate and I said, okay, well, if I don't get this medical intervention, I'm still 99% likely to not get this bad thing. Right. Well, and then if you do get this bad thing, you're like 98 or 99% likely to be just fine. Right. And, and that's my point. Like stuff like this, and yet people are being forced to get something that you still really don't know the depth of the adverse events for this medical intervention. Well, and the mRNA is a new technology. So like I was saying earlier, I'm not so concerned about what's going to happen to me in the next three months if I get something like that, an intervention. I'm concerned about what the effect is going to be for me 20 years later. Right. There's so many questions with very little answers. The um, FDA, I don't know if you know this, but the FDA. No, I don't. because, Because so many people are looking at this and going, wait, something doesn't add up here. Like a lot of people, not... And and I'm talking about people who are not against the mainstream medical establishment. Like people who check all the boxes and do all all the the things. They're they're like, wait a minute, something doesn't add up. People are complaining. People are going to our government. People are doing their duty and saying, hey, something's not adding up. And so the FDA is going, well, I guess we got to look into this. So they have requested from Pfizer all of the data pertaining to all of their clinical trials that they have done so far to prove the safety and efficacy of this particular vaccine. Do you know what Pfizer told them? Bug off? Pretty much. They said, we can get you that information, 
within 75 years. And is Pfizer being singled out because it's the only one that's FDA approved yeah. or has that changed? Moderna, I think, just got initial approval, but I, I don't know for sure. Okay. But my, my point is the FDA said, sure, we can get that for you. It's going to take 75 years for us to uncover all that. And their argument for that is to say that they have over 100,000 or a million pages worth of data to give. I'm sorry, but like you're able to give that data for every other vaccine that you produce. Why is this one so different? And so the FDA has pushed back and said, no, you're going to give it to us now. Like today. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know what's going to come out of that. Well, it'll be interesting to see how all this plays out. I mean, no matter what your views are, I think that the pandemic and COVID and the COVID vaccine and like we're, we're learning things and we're, you know, we're not going to be the same country that we were before we went into this. Sure. And look, I don't want anyone out there to think I'm so, so, so against vaccines or these manufacturers. I'm not. They, there's a lot of good that some of these people do. And, um, and everybody has to make the decision that they feel like is best for themselves and their family. Right. That's what we're all about. Like, I, I don't trust a lot of these manufacturers. I especially don't f trust Pfizer personally. Well, you were going to say something else. <laughs> I don't trust them because of their history. I know that if I were, if I was going to have somebody watch my kids, like babysit, mm -hmm. and I'm interviewing somebody, and that person has a history of predatory stuff towards kids, you know what I'm talking about? I do. Um, they're not going to be watching my kids. Sure. Even if they've changed their life around, found Jesus, and are now living a completely different life, good on them, they're not watching my kids. Yeah. If I know if I have a friend who's a, who's a meth head, and I've had them before, um, I'm not going to lend them money. Right? Right. Okay. Because of their history. They've proven untrustworthy. So are you saying that Pfizer has predatory behavior towards kids and they're all meth heads? <laughs> <laughs> so someone's going to clip that out from, from this episode and I'm going to get banned from YouTube and from Apple. No. <laughs> okay. But what I'm saying is, let's take Pfizer is one is, I think, the second largest pharmaceutical company in the world by, by revenue alone. And What's the first? Uh, Merck? No, Merck's not even. Yeah, no, Merck. No, I can't remember. I mean, I'm saying that like I know something. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> Merck? No. Um, <laughs> they have paid billions and billions and billions of dollars over the years in settlements for fraud, for misinformation, for mislabeling of drugs, for misinforming the public. Talk about like there's Two a lot. Two individuals they've paid this out? Or to To individuals groups? and to the government, to, to both. Mm. Talk about misinformation. That's a big word out there that people are throwing around for people mm -hmm. having the conversations we're having now of just raising questions and talking about other ideas. Joe Rogan was just recently really come under attack for having a couple of doctors on who talked about COVID and so forth. And now Spotify, now all these musicians want to cancel their music from being on Spotify 
because they think people are spreading misinformation about COVID. Well, talk about misinformation. Pfizer has a history of doing that. Like they, that's not me being conspiratorial or mean. That's me just stating the truth. Like they have a history of being very, very dishonest with their products. So why would I trust them with an experimental medication saying this is fine, especially when they first told us it was 95% effective and now they're saying, well, it's not. It's less than 30%. It's less. And so you have to get boosted just to get you up to like 75%. I have a problem with that. Like I have a problem with trusting these people personally. Every year or two, they pay millions of dollars in settlements for, for fraud. Like in 2009, they paid $2.3 billion. It was the largest healthcare fraud settlement ever done at that time. I think there's been a bigger one since. Merck had a two point something billion, uh, not too earlier than that, for the same thing. Well, even if you did trust them, like let's just say they hadn't done any fraud and they were like Andy Griffith sure. or something and they were trustworthy and you were all about the vaccines and vaccines weren't harmful at all and there were no risks and all of that. But yet that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody's going to be concerned about getting or spreading COVID. Everybody's not going to be concerned about getting or spreading COVID. Right. Yeah, like you would only get the vaccine if you were concerned, like if you didn't want to get COVID. Right. Well, some people don't care if they get COVID. Right. And that's their right. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's their right. Sure. We're, we're not talking about smallpox, which was a extremely harsh and deadly disease at the time. It probably wouldn't be today because of our medical advancements and our advancements in hygiene and stuff. But it would still probably be really bad. Yeah. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about a virus that has already mutated to a point where it's less severe. And even when it was at its severest, the mortality rate was less than a percent. And that's even if you trust the numbers, which now is coming out to say that the initial numbers were not accurate because people going to the hospital for a gunshot wound and were tested for COVID and had COVID and then they died were listed as a COVID death. One, because the hospital had a financial incentive for that, but that just skews the numbers. So we don't really know how accurate those numbers are, but even with those numbers, mortality rate was less than a percent. That's not enough to deem a experimental medication upon a population where, as we saw earlier, even just with one vaccination, the MMR, there's so many contraindications that you have to be aware of that you don't want to take, especially, or like you mentioned in the last episode, allergies. Well, I will say that we just live in a culture where we're primed and trained to want a medical intervention as a solution for wellness problems, whether it's physical wellness, mental, emotional wellness, any of that business, we're trained as a culture for, I'm uncomfortable, I need a fix and it's going to come from a doctor. So like we're trained to want that. And so when there's this pandemic happening, and even if it's only 1% at this point, I'm pretty sure every one of our listeners knows someone who's died from COVID. Right. Sure. And that's not normal. No, it's not. And so that's scary. 
Very scary. And so when you have fear, well, you're going to want help or a solution. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, that solution comes in the form of this vaccine. Right. You know, so there's that. I agree. And if that gives comfort and that, and security for some, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Let it. I mean, when this first came out, no one knew really anything about it and it was scary. And so as a citizen and as a person, I too want solutions and I want safety and I want to protect my family and I want to protect myself and I want to protect my community and I want to protect the people around me. And so I think to be diplomatic here, both sides of this issue want that. Yes. Um, both sides want to protect their neighbor. Both sides have a heart that want to just do the right thing for each other. I think it's important for our, all of us to hear. How we get there, we differ on. Now, some may think that how we get there and, and what's different is harmful to others. But I will encourage everybody to everybody from both on both sides. Think about that for a minute. Is it really harmful? I would, I would, I would say no. What's not really harmful? Either getting the vaccine or not getting the vaccine. It's mm -hmm. not harmful for your neighbor. Like that's the where COVID a lot of vaccine or any vaccine, any vaccine. I think that's where. What about the viral shedding that happens with a lot of vaccines? Is that not harmful for others? I don't think so. If you get the measles as a result, I don't think that's harmful. I don't think that's that harmful. Okay. Although, <laughs> although <laughs> one of the things I came across in my initial, <laughs> in my initial studies um, in doing my paper about the viral shedding from the measles vaccine, virologists were getting concerned that the, the an unintended outcome of a heavily vaccinated population for many, 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 many decades against this particular virus was causing the virus to mutate to such a degree that the vaccines weren't working. Interesting. It's similar to the antibiotic thing where okay. we overdo antibiotics so much that it's creating these strains of bacteria that are resistant to our known antibiotics that we have. You've heard about that, right? Yeah. Same concept. So over-vaccinating can have its unintended consequences too. And I think that also, I, that's, I'm not blaming the vaccine because I think that would be the same for a natural immunity as well. Viruses mutate, period. And even if you're, we're seeing that with COVID, with a natural immunity to the original virus, people are still getting the Omicron because it's mutated to such a degree that they're not immune to it. Sure. Whether you were naturally immune to it or vaccinated immune to it. Like, anyway. I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't agree with mandates. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're, I don't think they're but are scientifically you okay just with, with mandates. No, because I, I like you and I'm, you're a woman. Unless you want to take me on a date. Then would it be a mandate? I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> I'm going to go play the blues. All right. Well, do you got anything else to say about this? I got nothing. <laughs> I got the same thing I had when we started. <laughs> I got nothing. Did I answer your question about the... Uh, you did. Thingy? And then some. Yeah. Okay. You answered questions I never asked or wanted to know the answers to. <laughs> you asked questions I uh, I thought were great. I thank you. You brought up some really good things. And do I get my gold star for the day? You do. Excellent. Well, I guess that wraps us up. Nice and tidy. Nice and tidy. We did our duty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Listeners out there, we love you. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to support the show, please go to our website, relinquishpodcast.com. Give us a donation. We would appreciate it. Or just tell your friends, hopefully, that are in different countries, too, that they can listen to, too, as well. Especially if your friends have the opposite view as you. That's right. Again, we encourage y'all to have dialogue about these things and, and have fun with it like we just did. We had fun. I had fun. Did you have fun? I had a great time. I had a great time. I always have a great you time with you. Time. I think I'll keep you around. Oh, uh, yeah. I guess I'll keep you around, too. I'll stick around. You'll stick around? Yeah, I'll stick around. Like a stick in the mud? Like duty. <laughs> <laughs> that didn't come out right. <laughs> okay, we, we gotta, gotta stop. stop. We gotta stop. <laughs> Jinx. Oh, all right. Again, thanks for listening. We are Relinquished Podcast, and... We're, we're going to come out with a few more uh, shows coming up. Uh, to all of you who listen to our recovery shows, we got another one coming out pretty soon. Um, please catch us for that. And again, join us next time as we respectfully agree. To disagree. Vaccines. What are your thoughts on vaccine mandates? Mandates, you say? Yes, mandates, I say. I'm Man talking about mandates. Dates with men. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> A different kind of mandates. <laughs> oh, man. This is worse than my dad jokes. I know, it's mom jokes. They're so bad, nobody even talks oh, about them. That's true. <laughs> What's worse than dad jokes? Mandates. No, mom jokes. <laughs> hey, you know what I, rec what I realized when I was listening to the last episode? What did you realize when you were listening to the last episode? The very beginning, 